Hello, friends, and welcome to the show, Your Real Estate Today. Happy Saturday. We're so glad that you are with us and spending this time with us. We're always excited to bring to you the latest and greatest that we see what's uh, happening in the real estate market. And today, uh, a great opportunity for you if you're out there listening today. I am Paul Jamison, your host. I own the Jamison family of companies. That's Jamison Realty. Jamison Property Management, Jamison Property Investments, and I'm here with Sandy Dickinson with Cross Country Mortgage. Hey, Sandy. Hey. How are you today? I'm doing good. Good, good. Boy, I'll tell you what, we got a lot to talk about today, don't we? We do. We do. I mean, as usual, we're going to bring some uh, uh, current data to you, but also... I've got today on my agenda to talk about HOAs. We're going to talk about HOAs. We're going to talk a little bit about Zillow. We're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, what to do if you want to sell in the fall. And Sandy, I mean, she's got like all this stuff to talk about. And thank goodness I have it typed up because it could be about, it's going to be about your income and how it's calculated. Uh, rentals and rental income, what really counts towards your income, the rates, are they not always low rates, mortgage insurance, cash out refis, why buy now? I mean, whoo, man, that's loaded. <laughs> We're going to need about lot. four hours. <laughs> Is my head going to explode or what? <laughs> but we're going to teach you something. Fast. We're going to talk, that's right, talk about something, something. And Sandy and I love spending this uh, Saturdays with you. You know, the interesting thing about this as we kind of come into this season is that uh, many of my shows are preempted by some type of athletic events. And, you know, can be uh, Carolina football, basketball, uh, once happened with the Panthers. Uh, but in any event, we just try to keep coming with relevant information and we're excited to share it with you. So much so that we're gonna start right now with what I learned this week. All right, so the US, that'd be United States, that'd be us, will lift the travel ban on about 33 countries for vaccinated visitors. Say that three times fast, vaccinated visitors easing restrictions that prevented most foreign real estate buyers from entering our country to view and buy property. Hmm. Where do you think I'm going with this, Sandy? I don't know. Do they need to try another entry point? Uh, well, <laughs> if the foreign... <laughs> I don't think they're buying houses from that one. Um <laughs> Sales data suggests the wave of overseas buyers could generate tens of billions of dollars in added sales. Oh, no. So foreign buyers spent about $267 billion, that's billion, that was fun to say, on U.S. real estate in 2018 and 183 billion in 2019 before the pandemic, according to the National Association of Realtors. In 2021, 
kind of post sorta pandemic, they spent 107 billion suggesting a large pent up demand as buyers were not able to tour or visit the properties. So let's look at this in aggregate. Here we are as a country where five and a half to six and a half million houses short of demand. Everybody thinks that now because Zillow is getting out of the iBuyer business, they're dumping, actually the real number is closer to 15,000 homes in the inventory. When you got 15,000 homes in the inventory and you're five and a half to six and a half million short, is that going to make an impact, Sandy? It's like throwing a deck chair off the Queen Mary. It's pretty much exactly right. There are multiple <laughs> analogies we can use. That is a clean one. So mine is like doing something in a fan. But I would say this. Whatever hype you read that all of a sudden this change in Zillow is going to turn around the market, the answer is no. Not only no, but no, no. Okay. I think, I think I made my point. All right. So what do you, when you have this much demand in our country and you add pent up demand from foreign buyers, rocket scientists say, <laughs> economists <all> say <laughs> <laughs> that it's going to be tighter even tighter. So every at, at our sales meeting this week, it was really fun. I was talking to all the agents on our team and we said, okay, time for the party question. Yeah. So, so the party question is, are we going to be dealing with the same levels of activity in 2022 that were dealt with in 2021? Or is it just going to drop off the face of the earth and there's going to be tons of houses and the market is going to completely slow down? I asked each one of my agents that to answer that question independently. And each one of them, based on what they know, because... Unlike Zillow, we're actually in the market. We're in the community. We know what's going on. We are not an algorithm. We are a participant. We know what's happening. We know what the demand is. We know what the showings are. And unanimously, each one of them said no. From your perspective, Sandy, do you see the same? I do see the same. Same as you. Yeah. I mean, even with an increase in interest rates, I think there's still enough pent-up demand that, you know, I, I think we're looking for a good year ahead next year. Beyond that, I, I can't go any farther. But um, the one last note before we go to the mortgage update is that in uh, coastal cities will be the main beneficiary of this uh, increased demand from foreign buyers. Would you like to guess what the largest uh, group of foreign buyers, where, what country they're from? China. That is correct. You win the prize. Largest Yay. group is from China. 
that's no surprise. Yeah. All right. How about a mortgage update? All right. Well, we saw a little drop in the mortgage rates recently, but they're bouncing around. So what I'll say is that they're going to be going up. Um, there's too much um, inflationary fears and, um, and other factors, the tapering of the Fed. It's not going to stay down. So we anticipate the rates will probably bounce up to around four before, it's, before next year, maybe first, to, first quarter. Still a great rate. Um, Paul and I have been in the business for a super long time. We've seen them really high in the teens. We've seen them drop to eight, which we thought was amazing. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking that was like, oh my gosh, they've never been this low. Um, and now we've seen them as low as in the twos. Now they're settling out um, through in the threes now, low threes. So we'll probably see four. It's still a terrific rate. You can still make more money in the stock market. Um, houses are going to continue to appreciate. Um, it's all good. It's a great time to buy. It may or may not be a good time to refinance when they get that high, but, um, but a lot of you have already refinanced already. So I would say don't worry about a little bit of a rate bump. The payments are still going to be really good, really, really good. And if they're interested in finding out what the rates are, they should? They should call my mobile, 704-577-0144. When we come back from the break, Sandy, remind me to tell you a story about rates. And then we're going to talk some more about pets in your home, homeowners and pets from post-COVID. And again, we're going to be talking through so many different things. We're excited to have you share it with us. I'm Paul Jamison. Thanks for joining us to show your real estate today. Stay with us on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We've got lots to come. Welcome back to the Detective Show, Your Real Estate Today. I'm Paul Tracy. <laughs> You're what? The music sounds like a detective show. So I was saying I was Paul Tracy. No one can be <laughs> Dick Tracy except Dick Tracy. So I figured I'd just be Paul Tracy. But mm, okay. anyway, yeah. Tracy that was a joke that, that, that was a joke that was lost by most except TJ. He I laughed. Got it, yeah. TJ got it. <laughs> Hey, it's Paul Jamison, your host, owner of the Jamison Real Estate Companies. That's Realty Property Management, Property Investment here with Sandy Dickinson with Cross Country Mortgage. So, you know, at the break, Sandy, I promised we were talking about rates. We were talking about how the rates uh, are affected and back in the day, how we thought about rates. And I told you I would tell you just a very quick blurb about, about rates. Many, many years ago, uh, when I was uh, first married, uh, my uh, wife at the time and I went to a, uh, a trailer, a uh, mobile home trailer show. And we were looking at new mobile homes and trailers and just amazed because we couldn't afford a house at the time, just didn't have the money. Um, I was working uh, two jobs and going to night school, and it, it just wasn't there. And, but we uh, found this trailer that we saw at the mobile home show, and it was beautiful. It was decorated, and it had things that, you know, we just never thought we could ever afford. We were super young, and, um, and they offered us 
um, a dealer incentive for financing. And our rate was 14 and a half percent. And we thought we won the lottery. Because at the time, rates were 18, 18 and a half. And that, you know, and, and we really virtually had little or no credit. And we thought we won the lottery. And so we bought that trailer and lived in it. And, you know, there you go. 14 and a half versus now rates around three or three and a quarter, four. That's nothing. Although it feels like a lot now, you know, it's kind of like gas, right? When gas was down to below two bucks a gallon, uh, it felt great. Now, it don't feel so great. No, it doesn't. Did you ever go back and see that house? Is it still there? No, it's gone. Um, <laughs> you know, like anything with wheels on it, it moved on. So, but uh, anyway, so did she. But in any case... <laughs> Yeah, there's a country song in this somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yes. TJ's over here at the at the next bumper. I bet it's going to be some kind of trailer trash song. <laughs> I can only imagine. But anyway, uh, more home. I digress. More homeowners have become pen owners since the pandemic, and homeowners are showing a willingness to move for their pet. In fact, 43% of pet owners say they'd be willing to move to accommodate their pet, according to the National Association of Realtors. What's more, 68% of pet owners surveyed by Realtor.com say they would pass on the perfect home if it didn't meet their pet's needs. 68%. Wow. wow. Some home buyers are even shopping for homes with their pets in tow. They're seeking their pets' feedback as they tour the home for sale. 20% of 1,000 U.S. adults surveyed by Ally Home in April said they bring their pets to look at houses. Women were more likely to bring their pets with them on a house hunt than men. Now, Have you had that? Once they brought their pet off leash in the house. I'm like, no, 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 no. Out, 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 out. Sorry. You can't let the dog wander free in somebody else's house. Not happening. And then, of course, the dog being a dog did what a dog does. So... <laughs> Then had to get cleaned up. So the answer is no. You want a dog looking at houses, your house if it's for sale in the house? No, not mine. What if they, what if they bring their goldfish? You okay with that? Probably. Yeah, I'd be all right with that. On a leash. Yeah, on a <laughs> leash, TJ says. On a leash. Okay. If it behaved. <laughs> all right. Last, they also said, and uh, this can pertain two pets, but not usually. HOA and HOA fees. Make sure before you sign on the line, you know what HOA fees are in the transaction. 
there's this fee called a capital contribution fee, aka money grab, by HOA associations that when a, when a piece of property changes hands, they charge a capital contribution fee. That fee is ridiculous, but it can get costly. On a condominium I happen to have that I'm getting ready to sell, that HOA capital contribution fee is $650 each time somebody sells a piece of real estate. What do you get for that? Nothing. But it's there and it's legal. Also, make sure you understand any assessments, the monthly assessment, and what you get for it. If you live in a maintenance-free community, make sure you know what that HOA fee covers. Does it cover water? Does it cover exterior maintenance? And if so, what does exterior maintenance mean? Does it mean windows? Does it mean roof? Does it exempt the roof? Does it exempt the windows? If they cut the grass, do they cut all the grass? If you have a rear fence, do they cut inside the rear fence or not inside the rear fence? Many things you should know. And do they have any upcoming assessments or, or other capital expenditures that they're thinking about? That's why you call the HOA president. That's why it's on the disclosure, buyer beware. Okay? Wanted to talk about that. Now, before we go into other HOA stuff, let's go into mortgage stuff. What do you say? I say yes. I say, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And that elephant is income. Now, as we come to this time of year, I forget what somebody calls it. It's like sell-off November or whatever it is to take losses and to do things. And as you begin to do your tax planning, if you're thinking about buying a home, you need to listen because Sandy, uh, when you look at income, you could shoot yourself in the foot for getting a mortgage, right? That's kind of what prompted all this. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yes. So um, self-employed wise, you definitely want to talk with your mortgage lender as you're talking with your tax accountant, um, because we use your adjusted gross income for qualification on a Schedule C. So every type of self-employment is a little different. Schedule C is one of the most common. So if you're contracting with somebody, we will use your, your adjusted gross income. We don't use the gross income we take away the expenses. Now we can add back some things. We can add back some money for mileage and we can add back depreciation. If you had a one-time expense, we can add it back, but it's, it's a calculation. So you need to get the mortgage person involved. Um, same way with your, with your LLC. So you have your K-1 with your ordinary income and then down below you have distributions. We can't just use that ordinary income um, if you don't have the money to distribute. So um, there's that's another calculation that we have to do. And then we also look at your actual expenses on your P&L um, in the tax return. And we compare year by year. So if you have a downward trend of income, uh, we're not going to count your income. <laughs> and that's a, a yeah. huge surprise to a lot of people. Because an underwriter is going to say, this company's not doing so good. It just keeps year after year less and less. So now if we have that, it's possible to get around it if there's a good explanation and we can see it steadily steadying out. Um, but 
it's um, it's important to talk before you do your tax returns next year. And so you can plan for that so that you can qualify for the house that you want to qualify, if at all possible. Uh, two questions, Sandy. One is a lot of business owners um, purchase vehicles and they mm -hmm. take a, a deduction called a section 179. So when we come back after the break, let's talk a little bit about some of those expenses, if you got a minute, and we'll talk okay. about whether they're reasonable to do that. I know you got a minute because I got you for the next 30. That's right. <laughs> so, the show your real estate today, Sandy Dickinson with Cross Country, myself, Paul Jamison. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to the show, Your Real Estate Today, here on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. I'm Paul Jamison, your host. I own the Jamison Real Estate Companies. That's the realty uh, for buyers and sellers, property management for individual investors, and Jamison Property Investments. If you're interested in investing in real estate, we'd love to talk to you as a part of building wealth. Here with Sandy Dickinson with Cross Country Mortgage. Sandy, at the break, we promised our listeners we'd talk about some of those expenses or potential add-back expenses that as you're doing your tax planning, if you're thinking about buying next year, something very important to look at, or if you want to buy now and qualify for a loan or refi even your existing loan, making sure your loan package is solid. Um, a lot of business owners buy vehicles and there's a section 179 where if the vehicle's over 6,000 pounds, I'm not a CPA, please consult your CPA for more information, whether or not you're eligible, but I had a good night's sleep last night. So you can actually write off um, the cost of that vehicle on your taxes. It's kind of a one-time expense over the next seven years. And the second one I was going to ask you about was the co during the COVID. During the COVID, people had a dip in income, right? And if you're like, good, 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 COVID bad, good, 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 or good, 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 COVID bad, good. Do you do they take into account the COVID bad if you can show a pretty good strong trend? Okay, so um, regarding a one-time expense, so if we can prove it was a one-time and it's probably not going to happen year after year, we can exclude that expense. Um, and a lot of lenders don't do that or don't know about that. Um, but we definitely do it um, at cross country. So that will help your income. So that or big piece of equipment, something that's not typical that you would have year after year, we can definitely, um, you know, make an exception on those and, and add, that, that, add that money back. Um, as far as COVID, so that's a great question because it has changed about 25 times since COVID. So for a while there, it's like, nope, because we don't know if it's really going to sustain. And, you know, there's another variant coming and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to average even the bad with the good. Um, they've gone from some of that to now excluding, excluding those months. Or now that we've got another year behind us, we're kind of like, okay, let's just take the most recent year because they had a, you know, they had a little bit of both or we'll average two years. Like it's really how the loan officer, in my opinion, presents it to the underwriter and argues it. So you kind of have to put it, like what we don't like to do is toss a loan at the underwriter and have the underwriter say, oh yeah, yes or nay, this is how, you, how we calculate the income. 
we calculate the income for them and then we make a case and we send it into the underwriter. And if it makes sense, then it makes sense. So they put that together with, hey, these people made their payments the whole time anyway. It looks like their P&L and their current bank statements, which we now have to get for businesses. Um, we see income coming in that's consistent with their good months. Um, so we have to look at all that and make a, a, a big case and, and make, you know, give explanations and stuff um, from the accountants and from the borrowers uh, to make those cases if there was a big dip in the income. So it's um, case by case, honestly, but they have they have lightened up a little bit on that. Yeah, I, I think I think the the interesting piece about this, Sandy, is because I've been through this with you as a self-employed person several times um and that is that um you're really the first lender that has looked at my tax returns and actually added things back in um because because of the real estate that we own there's a lot of depreciation on those pieces of real estate so it makes a pretty significant impact on my mortgage picture Big impact. So a lot of loan officers don't understand tax returns. They toss them into a program called Loan Beam. Loan Beam will spit out the income. But what Loan Beam won't do is add in W-2 income and they won't, um, they'll take mortgage notes and bonds payable in less than a year and they'll take that out. And sometimes that's $189,000 or a big chunk and can cause you not to qualify. But if you understand the tax return and say, hey, that's not really, doesn't really have to be paid back within a year, and we get proof of that from an accountant, then we don't have to do that. So it's, it's tricky, and maybe I'm getting a little too technical, um, but it's important to have somebody that understands those things. Right, and you certainly do. All right, the next thing, if, if we're talking about income, it was also a part of what my investors uh, think is very, very important, and of course, if you have rental property, it's important, is how you treat rental income and potential rental income in evaluating someone's income. Yeah, so typically we will use a tax return, Schedule E, and we look at the income minus the expenses, um, and that's kind of what we use for our average income. Um, if it's a brand new house and you don't have a history of renting it, we will use your one-year lease agreement and 75% of that to offset your payment. Um, if you're buying something that's going to be a rental, um, the beauty of it is we'll use a typical rent for the area to help offset your payment. So that's really, really nice. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. I mean, that's kind of a neat way to look at it is you went from, oh, something sparkly just came you went from um, going, not counting that, oh, something sparkly just came. I hear this, this I don't know what it is in the background going uh, uh, like the fairies, just, the, the fairies just <laughs> arrived. So the, <laughs> so the, the, uh, the, um, the house that you're interested in an investment, you know, to be able to use that potential rental income for the area, 75% of that, that's huge right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps you be able to buy um, multiple investment properties. Right. That's right. So let's say, um, as we continue to, to look at 
providing income and, and looking at income, um, there are many instances where you have an opportunity because of a large um, check, where be it a bonus or something, where you can actually lower your monthly payment without refinancing your loan, uh, doing something called a recast. Mm -hmm. So if What's you have about? a mortgage and you put down 10,000 or more, typically 10,000 or more, and you want your payment to be lowered rather than shortening your term, you can contact your servicing company most of the time, possibly not so much on government loans, but on conventional loans um, and jumbo loans. You can call the servicing company and say, hey, I want to re-amortize my loan over the remaining years with the current principal balance. So we call that a re-amortization or a recast. There's usually a small fee involved, but most companies will do that for you. Yeah. And the rate stays the same and everything else stays the same. You don't start at 30 years over again. It just reduces the size of your payment, correct? Right, with the remaining years. So if it's 28 years left, they amortize it 28 years. Right. Um, so not, none of the other um, terms of the mortgage change. Right. That's a pretty cool thing. I've done that before. All right. So why would you do a uh, cash out refi, Sandy? Currently, if you look at what you can make in the stock market, and this is day by day, obviously, um, the average, if you're a good investor and you, in, and you invest in some good stuff and you, over time, you dollar cost average, whatever, and you're, you see an average return on your money, probably, you know, moderately seven to eight percent a year. You know, I've seen a lot more than that. Um, if you look at the rate at three, three and a half, four percent, it might be worth cashing it out. And um, taking that money and using it in other ways, um, and and saving your money to put it in the in the stock market or other investments. All right, that's great. Well, more to come with Sandy Dickinson. I'm Paul Jamison. We'll be right back here on the show. Your real estate today on News Talk 1110993 WBT. Welcome back, friends, to the show. Your real estate today. It's Saturday, and we're talking real estate. The life couldn't be any better, and so we're excited to be spending it with you. I'm with Sandy Dickinson with Cross Country Mortgage. I'm Paul Jamison, been the voice of your real estate today. Now coming into year 14, so we're excited about that, and excited to be spending it with you. And so uh, we're talking about the mortgage. Um, as you know, Sandy is um, the big head honcho over here at the Cornelius Office of Cross Country Mortgage, and she is a loan partner to Jamison Realty and our team. And Sandy, just so we do it right now as they're thinking about um, why all these different things we're talking about it, what is your phone number again? 704-577-0144. Seven zero four five seven seven zero one four four. All right. So, so Sandy, we talked about cash out refi and the power that comes with that. We've talked about recasting your mortgage. We've talked about um, different ways to to look at um, the mortgage and income. So let's talk about 
mortgage insurance. And okay. well, wait, wait a minute, let's back up. Let's okay. talk about okay. these two things together because they play together, all right? Let's talk about low rates. Okay. And, and low rates aren't always low rates. And mortgage insurance because they don't apply always specifically together, but a lot of times you have low rates and then low down payments. And when you have low down payments, there's not always low rates. There's something that's called mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you take that bundle of stuff and make sense of it, please? Okay, so mortgage insurance came about years ago um, because we used to not do loans above 80% loan to value, people had to put 20% down. And then at some point, a mortgage insurance company came along and said, hey, we will take some of the, the risk off of you if you will do a loan at 85 or 90%. Then it went to 95, 97. Anyway, so conventional loans have mortgage insurance, anything above 80% loan to value. FHA loans, and guess what? With conventional, you can get rid of mortgage insurance once you have that 20% equity position and you've made some really good payments like on time. FHA loans um, is changed in 2014. You always have mortgage insurance, always. You cannot get rid of it. Um, USDA okay, wait loans, a minute. You I'm sorry. Stop. I don't mean to keep your thought right there. Put a placeholder in there. Mm -hmm. Remember, I, I want to bring out what you just said. On conventional loans, if you had on a conventional loan, if your equity has exceeded 20%, you can get rid of private mortgage insurance, right? That's and in right. the last year and in 10 months, housing prices have gone up on average nationally 28%. Wouldn't that prompt somebody to look at two things? Number one, their current rate and their current loan. And number mm -hmm. two, whether or not they can eliminate private mortgage insurance. That's right. So if automatically, if you pay down to 78% from your original loan, it comes off on a conventional. Yeah, but they're um, not gonna, they're not gonna automatically look at the value of your home to get rid of PMI. That's right. So if you've gained um, the equity through appreciation, then you don't have to refinance necessarily. You can call your servicer and request um, to see if you can get rid of it. And they'll Boom. usually ask for an appraisal. Boom. And yeah, and as long as you've made your payments on time, they'll probably help you by getting rid of that for you. And clarity on that is conventional loan. Correct. This doesn't work with FHA. It does not work with USDA. Right. Either way. Couldn't somebody who has a government... Well, couldn't somebody who has a government-backed loan come to you and say, hey, Sandy, am I eligible now for a conventional loan since I've got all this equity if I refi? Yes. So equity and good credit, usually you can, um, that would make sense to refinance and get rid of it. Or even if you're close, like the more, more equity you have, like a, a loan between 80 and 85%, it's really, really tiny. It doesn't cost much at all may still be worth it. It's always worth looking into. Yeah, I'm sorry, Definitely. I didn't mean to interrupt. So please proceed. <laughs> okay, so jumbo loans um, typically do not have mortgage insurance, but if they do, um, then same thing holds for them. You can buy mortgage insurance in single premiums. You can finance it in. You can pay it monthly. 
we do all of those. There's also split rate premiums. There's all kinds of options with conventional mortgage insurance, not with the government loans. So we can explore all those. I kind of like the monthly because then you can get rid of it. If you just pay it all up at front, you know, it's probably not going to be refundable. Um, unless it's, you know, why would you do that? I just don't. Yeah, it's kind of like the, it in. kind of like the, uh, when they, um, when they, if you have an issue with your tires and the warranty, it's amazing how fast it depreciates up front, how much of the life it uses. Cause when you right. really need it, yeah. Right. Oh, I will give you $5 back on each tire. Well, there sure seems to be a lot of tread. Well, you know, you've used 95% of it already. Same yeah, way with people's private mortgage insurance. Lifestyles switch so fast. You don't know what your opportunities are going to be in a year or two, especially for young, upwardly mobile people. So really, again, the, the nugget in what you're saying is that if you've got, to me, the, the one discussion that people need to really look at is if they're paying private mortgage insurance, they've done a, a 95-5, 90-10 where they put 10% down, 5% down on a conventional loan, 15% down, that they should be looking at, if they've owned that home for a year, two years, about the opportunity to get rid of that private mortgage insurance uh, due to the growth of the value of their home, or look at refining uh, if they're coming out of a government loan where they've seen that appreciation and they qualify good credit, blah, 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 ipso facto, dot, 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 right? <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. I mean, I think that's a really cool way at looking at opportunity. If you've got a loan that's a couple of years old and you're paying mortgage insurance of any kind, you should be looking at this. Yeah, we evaluate it all the time. It doesn't always, we'll tell you if it's not going to be worth it. We're not going to put you into something that's not going to be a benefit to you. Um, but it's good to, it's good to analyze it. So, so before, and again, I apologize for, for interrupting, but if you bring out a, a whole completely different thought process than I expected we'd go down. Um, you mentioned earlier the jumbo limit. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, why did the jumbo limit change and what is it? So um, last year, if you were financing something more than 548,250, you were in jumbo territory. But because of all the appreciation, um, value increases, you know, what people need, um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the conventional agencies increase the jumbo, increase what they are willing to finance um, as a medium income or medium uh, price and, and financing to 625,000 which Ooh. is a huge jump. That's so like you, 55, you know, 60,000, no, it's more than that. Yeah, without, okay, so the thing is the rates are not that different, but the rules are hugely different with jumbo yeah. loans yeah. and they're not as fun. I mean, they're all fun, but they're not as fun <laughs> as, a, as a conventional conforming loan. <laughs> right, Paul? Uh, yeah. They're very yeah. fun, yeah. Yeah, VF. Very fun. <laughs> when I think about fun things, I think go skiing, go mortgage. on a trip, or just apply for a mortgage. I mean, they're like neck and neck. So I'm right there. But yeah, you will have to be. You have to jump through a lot of a lot of hoops on the jumbos because they're they're not the same agencies that buy the loans in 
and it and I see why people say, look, I have more money, I have better credit. Why am I? Why are you asking me for all this? It's because um, the agent, the agencies that buy the jumbo loans are going to be a little more strict because there's more risk. Yeah, let's face it. What she's doing is she's heckling me because that's <laughs> what I kept saying. I already gave you that. They want it again. Okay. 704-577-0144, Sandy Dickinson, Cross Country Mortgage. I'm Paul Jameson.